be reading Mark 10, verses 13 through 16 this morning. And as always, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be up on the screen behind me. I have a feeling this story might sound a little familiar if you were here this morning. Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. It says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And when he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. May God bless this word. Please be seated at this time. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Welcome to church. Um, I know probably this morning we might have a few people uh, from the Oaks Preschool, a few parents that are visiting us. And so if you're here because of that, um, I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us and Um, We're excited about uh, the preschool and all that we're doing, Um, and uh, I want to share something kind of of cool with you. Um, These things always really encourage me, and so I I like to pass them along to you. Um, We've been in a series entitled Modern Family, and uh, this past week we looked at kind of marriage and God's plan and purpose for it, and today we're actually closing the series. It's only a two-week series, and we're looking at Um, children, raising children, if we're parents, or loving children, if we're not parents, and really kind of what God looks to do in our hearts and what he's teaching us through children. And so the title this morning um, is that children are the greatest work, and yet one of the reasons why um, this is really interesting is because uh, every year whenever we plan our sermon calendar, Um, we usually do it around November or December of the year before, right? So believe it or not, there's actually a method to our madness. And so I I don't just like Bible flip and decide what I'm going to preach on. Um, Every year, at the end of the year, we decide the entire next year what we're going to preach on, the verses, the topics, and all those different kinds of things. And so last uh, November and December, we were planning our sermon calendar for this year, 2017, and we we knew we wanted to do a quick uh, sermon series on family. Uh, before the fall season started, and so we planned to actually preach this sermon on kids um, on this date, really just because it fit in well with the kind of coming series in a lot of ways, and we planned it on this date, and the reason why I think that's special and cool is because the only sermon uh, that we will preach on kids um, probably the entire year actually happens to be literally the day before we open our brand new preschool here at the church, which has been a two-year journey for us. And so it just reminded me there's so much more going on than we often see, right? We miss God's work. We miss his hand in our lives because we're not looking for it. And so even in that, I'm reminded that as I'm preaching to you this morning, that the Lord is with us and that he is going to do a good work in your life and that he is orchestrating things all around us for his glory and for our good. And yet the title this morning is Children Are the Greatest Work. And I say that because if you're like me, you're really busy, okay? Raise your hand if you're not busy. Okay, three people. Okay, three or four people are not busy. 
Uh, the remainders of us, we're really busy. And I say this because I think in our busyness, in our lives, and in our world, one of the things that often gets overlooked, whether you're a parent or not a parent, is kids, right? The reason is because we're living our life, we're pursuing our dreams and our passions and doing our things, and we're trying to keep our heads above water. And one of the things we kind of overlook or just kind of go on autopilot sometimes is in parenting our children. Or if you do not have children this morning, we think, well, you know, I don't have kids, and so, you know, I'm just not called to be involved in any kind of work with children. And yet I found it interesting that uh, C.S. Lewis actually had this quote from an interview he gave once. This is actually where I get the sermon title from. I love this. C.S. Lewis uh, said this in a quote once. He said, children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. And this is interesting because this is coming from C.S. Lewis, who's considered to be the greatest um, Christian author in many ways of the 20th century. And yet C.S. Lewis did not have any children of his own. This man had no kids, and yet he says this. And I think the reason why he said this isn't because he had kids, but because he knows Jesus. And he knows the heart of Jesus. The thing about C.S. Lewis was he was very popular, and so he would get a bunch of fan mail and people that would write him letters. And though he could not respond to everything, he always made sure that he responded any time a kid ever wrote him a letter. So any kid that ever wrote C.S. Lewis a letter, this prolific, famous author, he would write them back personally. Like back in the day when people wrote letters, you know, and used snail mail, you know, and someone actually delivered the hard copy of your letter from one house to the next, right? Remember those days? It's like if I get a piece of mail now, it's like the weirdest thing, you know. It's like that couldn't have been an email. But he wrote every person back, right? I probably literally have not wrote a letter or mailed to someone and probably like, actually never. I mean, now that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever actually done that. But C.S. Lewis did. And it's interesting because he said this once in one of the letters that he wrote to a child. And, and it really kind of intrigued me this week. He said this. He was writing to a little kid and he said this. He said, old people, and by old people he just means basically anybody that's an adult. Old people, writing to a kid, he says, can be quite as shy with young people as young people can be with old. This must explain what must seem to you like the idiotic way in which so many grown-ups talk to you. I love that. And that's kind of an interesting thought when you think about it, isn't it? I think sometimes when we think of kids... You know, kids, maybe they're like shy around adults and they don't know how to interact with kids. And we think, well, they've got to mature and they've got to learn how to, you know, work with adults. And we try to teach our kids that, right? Like we think a kid should be able to interact properly with adults. And yet, for some reason, as adults, we don't hold that same standard to us with children. Some of us around children, we're like awkward and we don't know what to say. And we don't know how to interact with them. And yet I think that what Jesus teaches us is that there's something about interacting with children and loving children that shows us something very important in life. I've recently entered into the parent world. I have, a, I guess, 15 or 16-month-old now. She's getting older, so the months aren't as important as they used to be. As you can tell, I don't know the exact month. But um, a few months back, for the first time, I took my daughter to a, a playground. And it was interesting because it's like, man, I have not been at a playground in like 20 years. And it was interesting because I walked on the playground and I felt kind of awkward. Like I didn't know like how to interact, you know. I didn't know like the etiquette. And I saw these other dads like playing with their kids and they were really good at it, you know. And I was not, okay. I didn't know what to do. I was like, is that sanitary? Is that clean? Should she go down? I, I didn't know, like, is she old enough for this? And I didn't know how to interact. And she kept wanting to just pick up stuff and eat it. And I'm like, is this, this fun? I mean, how, how do I interact with that, you know? 
and I'm walking around, and I'm just like, man, I've entered into a whole new world. And I realized, you know, I hope to grow in this, but I'm not the greatest in interacting with kids. And it feels weird to me, because I'm always in adult land with adult things, and I'm living by deadlines and to-do lists and all these kinds of things, and it's amazing when you go to a playground with a child, life is different. Perspective is different. And I think the irony of my generation in many ways is if you talk to people, they will put off things like marriage and kids because we're supposedly pursuing, quote, more fulfilling work in our life. We're doing other things. And so if we're parents, maybe we're like, well, maybe one day I'll be a parent. Or if we don't have kids, we don't really think much about kids or interacting with them in the body much. And yet what Jesus teaches us is that fulfillment at the heart of it does not come with sightseeing or even the perfect job. But what Jesus teaches over and over again is that fulfillment, if you want fulfillment, comes from relationships, from one place. Relationships with God, relationship with God and a relationship with others. That those are the places that fulfillment comes from in this life. And children are a vital part of this. If you have your Bible, turn back to Matthew 10 with me. I want to walk through this text with you this morning, and then I want to offer you after that some verses that I think will be helpful for you in your journey of rediscovering the wonder of children. As many of us look to build families in line with God's design and God's plan, we must understand God's heart for children and for emerging generations. Mark 10, starting in verse 13, it says this, and they were bringing children to him, meaning Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. So what we see here in this moment, and this is, this is amazing, right? And we see this all throughout the Gospels, is that the, the disciples were the closest followers of Jesus. They, they knew Jesus the best. If anybody knew the heart of Jesus, it would have been the disciples. And yet the people who knew him the most closely still did not understand how much he loved children. So what happens is Jesus is in the height of his public ministry. He's healing people. He's helping people. He's doing amazing teachings and works and wonderful things. He's changing the world. And these crowds are beginning to emerge around Jesus. And many times the crowds are primarily adults. And they're, they're revolving around Jesus, and they're coming. And, but then what happens is kids begin to come up as well. And so I would imagine there are some kids themselves that were walking up to Jesus or some parents who wanted their kids to be a part of the kingdom of God and what was happening. So they're bringing kids to Jesus, and yet it doesn't just say that the disciples kind of kindly shooed the kids away. It says they rebuked them. That's basically the Bible's, maybe the harshest word the Bible uses to say they were harshly correcting people as if Jesus wanted nothing to do with the kids. Why? Because he was too busy, right? He had other things going on, and he was working with the important people, the adults, and didn't have time for kids. But in verse 14, it says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, right? In the Greek, that means really mad, okay? In the Hebrew, that means really mad. It just means he's really mad. Like, he, he rebukes them, essentially. And he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And I think what we have to see this morning, the first thing in this passage, just a very simple point that's important for us to note, is that Jesus opposes the disciples for overlooking children. 
And man, I can, I can relate with this so much in my own life. I, I told you that I've shared this many times that um, I think part of this past journey or year of having a daughter has been so life-changing, not just because having a kid is life-changing, but because I, I didn't grow up with kids and I didn't really value that. And when I was a teenager, I was just all around teenagers. And when I was in college, I was just all around college kids. And when I was early 20s, I was all around early 20s. And that's just kind of been my whole trajectory, right? And then I get a kid, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this being is so different from me. I told you the story about how I, I was so ignorant to kids, I didn't know they didn't crawl when they were first born, right? I didn't know that, okay? I literally thought they came out of the womb and crawled. I, I thought like a week or two they'd pick that up. And they're like, no, 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 they're just going to lay there for the first six months, Okay. And, and literally, if, if I don't pick up my daughter and move her, she will never leave that spot, okay? That's where we're at, okay? And I, I just did not know this because I never spent any time with kids. And whenever I thought of ministry, I always thought of adults and kids were kind of on the back burner. And yet in this moment, whenever uh, the kids begin to come to Jesus, the disciples rebuke them. But then Jesus rebukes them and says, you cannot overlook children, and I love this because what Jesus calls us to in this moment is to actually care for and to look at the people that are often overlooked. And kids are one of those groups. If you've been around our church this year, you know that we have, um, by God's grace, been involved with a lot of different kinds of ministries. And, and one of the reasons is because we want to go to people in our culture and society who are often overlooked. And, and we just want to say, we see you. We love you. We, we, we know you're there. One of the things we've been doing a lot this year is ministry to our homeless brothers and sisters in our community and in our city. Um, Any Sunday you can drop homeless items, um, either uh, bagged food or clothes or things like that. In the coffee area, there's a big bin. You can drop stuff in there. And we either personally hand that out ourselves to people in our community or we take it to a local shelter that we partner with. And yet the reason why we do it, hopefully, is not just to pat ourselves on the back, but to let those people know, look, maybe things didn't shake out well for you in life, but, but we see you. We, we will not just our entire life, you know, drive by you. We know that there's a problem. We know that homelessness is an issue, and so the church should be responding to that. Another issue that we've tried to engage ourselves with is, is the elderly in our community. That there are people in our community who are literally at a stage of life where they, they, they cannot come to church because they, they physically cannot walk. We have certain people in our body that literally do not come to church unless one of our deacons drives to their house and picks them up. And by God's grace, many weeks we have deacons going to houses and bringing people to church. We did a mission project a month back where we were fixing things for different senior adults. And yet the reason why we do this is to say, look, we're not overlooking you. For someone in my stage of life with a young family, it's easy to overlook those kinds of needs. It's easy to act like those things don't exist. And yet when we step into these places, when we spend time to people, what we say is that you are seen and that you are loved by Jesus. You are not less than anybody else. And this is the same reason why we aim to involve ourselves with kids, why we do kids ministry, why we do things like VBS during the summer. It's because we look at kids and we say, we see you. We know you're there. We love you. And Jesus loves you. I believe that if we're following Jesus, there will be moments where our paths intersect with children in our body. And yet the second thing I, I think we see, and I love this, is that Jesus shows us in this passage that the kingdom of God is for everyone who will follow. The kingdom of God is for everyone who will follow. You see, in this moment, the disciples, once again, the closest people to Jesus... 
They thought when it comes to the ministry of Jesus and when it comes to the kingdom of God, kids are not as desired by Jesus. They're not as welcome to follow. Don't, don't bring them. I'm doing more important things. And I think what Jesus shows us here is that the kingdom of God is not for a certain kind of person. It's not for a certain gender or for a certain ethnicity. It's not for um, a certain age group of people. It's for everybody who will truly come to Jesus like these kids and follow. I think this is important because for many of us, right, and if we're honest, we kind of have some stereotype in our mind of what a Jesus follower looks like, and we're quick to write off people. I, I think I struggle with this. I'm sure you probably struggle with this. That many of us, we have this idea of the people, like, and maybe for you it's like the moral people, you know, the people that just kind of seem to do morality better. Man, Jesus kind of likes them more. Maybe it's rich people, maybe you think God loves poor people more, but, but we create these stereotypes in our minds of the people that Jesus really wants to come to him versus the people that maybe Jesus does not care as much about. And yet what we find in this passage is that anybody who comes to Jesus, he will receive. Anybody can get in on this. I love what he says. He says literally, they're turning kids away, and he says, let the children come to me. He says, if they want to be with me, bring them to me. The kingdom of God is not just for the rich or the moral or the religious or the least spiritual or the most spiritual or the contributors or the old or the wise, the young or the energetic. The kingdom of God is for everybody. As we walk around the world, may we be open to the people that God is calling us to invite into the kingdom to follow Jesus. Sometimes the people we think are the least likely to follow become the greatest stories and testimonies. I know so many of you guys. And before you became a Christian, nobody thought you would be a Christian. But here's the good news. Somebody thought you might. And so God used somebody to reach you. And may we do the same. May we know the kingdom of God is for everybody who will truly follow The third thing we see in this passage, I believe, is that Jesus affirms the great value of children. And I love pointing this out um, because we don't realize this, I don't think, like this would have been very countercultural in Jesus' day. Kids were not very highly valued. You think about Jesus' day, there wasn't a big government that would, you know, help people or save people if they were in times of need. It was like survival of the fittest. And if your family couldn't produce what they needed, you would starve or you would die. There wasn't a lot of support systems. So people would literally cling to their families, right? You wouldn't move away for a job because you couldn't get across to the other coast for a different job or a better job that made more money. People were, they pretty much were where they were born. That's what they did and that's where they lived and they did their parents' job. And so families clung together to live and to make it in the world. And kids were were loved in certain ways, but they weren't very valuable or useful because they couldn't make money. They couldn't work. They couldn't carry a bunch of stuff, right? I don't know, but I'm guessing back then moms and dads still had to chase the kids around and make sure they didn't eat things like cockroaches if they had cockroaches back then, right? Um, Or the, like my daughter, like got this beetle the other day off the ground, you know? I'm like, oh my goodness, you know? Or, or I, I don't know if they had stairs back then, but I feel like half of my life is just making sure my, my daughter doesn't fall down the stairs, you know. And so we're getting a baby gate, you know. So, so much of my life is spent chasing this daughter around. And it doesn't help us make money. It doesn't help us put food on the table. And so back then, kids were kind of like, just keep them in line while we make the money and while we survive and while we get through. Keep the kids in line until they're old enough to help and contribute to the family. And so a kid was not seen as a super valuable thing. And for Jesus to come in here 
And to involve children in his ministry would have meant that he's affirming that they are a part of the body. You see, children in the life of the church, they're not just a ministry. They are a part of the body of Christ. They're not just a ministry. They're they're not just people that we kind of put over on the side and we keep them busy until one day they're old enough to be a part of what we're doing. We literally see our kids' church just as important as this service right now. Kids are a part of the body. Kids have a voice in the body of Christ. And when we silence that voice, things get a lot less fun, right? And when we silence that voice, we silence what I believe is the last thing we see here is that Jesus explains our great need for children. When we silence kids, we literally silence one of the greatest images that God blesses us with to know what we're supposed to live like in this world. Look at our our text in verse 15. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have chosen any way to explain how we were to live. He could have used any metaphor, because this is a metaphor, this is an analogy, this is an image. God could have used any image he wanted to, to explain himself to us. He could have said, the all-powerful cosmic being is how I want you to pray to me. And yet he says, no, I want you to pray to me as a father. He's saying something in that. And likewise, when he says it, see yourselves as children... That you must become like children to enter the kingdom of God. He's saying something in that. And when we minister to children and when we spend time with children, when we value them and we do not overlook them, what we begin to find is an image as to how we're supposed to live before the God that loves us. Child-parent love is the way that God has chosen to explain the depth of his love for us. And it reminds us the same way that a parent, like, like one of the, you know, in a culture of a lot of diversity and difference of opinions, right, one of the things almost every person agrees on for the most part is you just naturally assume at the bedrock of society that a parent wants what's good for their kid. That a parent gives rules to their child for their good, not to, to be mean to them, not to hurt them, but to, but to love them and protect them. We, we assume that. And so God gives us that image to say, listen, when I, when I call you to commands or to a specific way of biblical living in your family or in your life, I'm doing this because I love you. He wants us to see something in this. And so therefore, because of what Jesus has taught us, we engage ourselves with children and we care. But really quick, I want to give you four verses, if you're a parent or if you're not a parent, uh, this morning. Four verses that I think will help you in your journey. So if you're a parent, I really encourage you to write these down. Um, these have been foundational for, for both Halsey and I as we've sought to, to raise our daughter as we begin our family. These are verses that I think help kind of lay out what the biblical call for parenting is, right? I think a lot of times when we think of parenting, it's like just keep them out of trouble till they're old enough to get a job, you know. It's like just keep them busy, right? And, and yet God calls us to so much more. The first verse I think is helpful is actually from our text this morning, Mark 10, verse 14. It should be up on the screen. It says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I think as parents, one of the most important things that we could ever do for our children is to get them to Jesus. I think when we think about kids or grandkids or other kids that we care about, 
um, there's a lot to teach a kid, isn't there? It's like we're trying to teach them to be like generous and compassionate, to share, to be responsible, to be organized, to tell the truth, you know. Um, don't hit the kids, don't steal, don't gossip, right? I mean, if you probably made a list of all of the things that you've got to teach your child, right, just so they can be like a, like a decent person, and says, I mean, the list is like a billion things. I think as parents, we often get overwhelmed, right? We, we get overwhelmed with all the things we have to teach. It's like, well, go to school and, and, and have the right friends, and we try to teach them all these different things, and yet I think the beauty of discipling your children And bringing them to Christ is that Christ covers that. Christ covers every good thing. Jesus covers things like greed and loving the least of these and how to not be anxious and how to handle their sexuality as they grow up and how to get through tough times and how to be responsible. Jesus covers all these things. Jesus is the door that unlocks all doors in the life of our children. You go through the Gospels, man, if, if we can just get our kids to love and to trust Jesus, if we can display his love, and if they can just get that, if they can get a passion for his word, then that does the bulk of our job because Jesus covers at the core most of the things we're trying to teach our children. To focus solely on things like education and being active in sports, and I love sports, at the sake of knowing and loving Jesus is detrimental to our children. If you're a parent in this room, you are called to be the primary discipler of your child. And the secret of discipleship, and I think this is exciting for parents, is that if you really want to grow, start teaching, right? When you've got to teach something, um, you've got to grow and you've got to learn. And a lot of people, they, they've been, maybe, maybe you've been in a season for a long time, you've been like stuck in your faith and you're stagnant. And you're like, man, I don't feel like I've grown the, uh, that much in the past three years. I will almost guarantee you, you're probably not discipling anybody else and you're probably not teaching. The discipleship secret is that you will grow, you will strengthen your walk in, with the Lord when you are called to do what Jesus says, which is to make disciples. And as parents, for many of us, this is the great motivating factor. This is the awakening, right? As my kids need to love the Lord, I've got to be able, you know, kids ask all the weird questions, right? And kids ask hard questions. And so as a parent, there's a call for us in that season to to really grow in the Lord, to, to read the word, to pray, to develop a walk with the Lord because our children need us. As we train our children, we will have our greatest season of growth, I believe. The second verse is this, Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I know that maybe for some of you that have, have raised your family and been through the grind of parenting, I, I want to be aware that I know there are some people that um, maybe parenting wasn't as clear as maybe this verse makes it to be. And we want to be sensitive to that. Parenting has ups and downs. And uh, what we believe is at the core is that though we raise our kids in the faith, we believe that kids ultimately make their own decisions, right? Jesus calls people to individually follow him. And the same way that I had a decision to make apart from my parents, our kids have a decision to make apart from us. And yet at the same time, we are called to train up our kids in the way that they should go. 
how we start with our kids, whether they're, you know, even if they're 14 right now or if they're three or if they're zero, right? However we start with our kids greatly impacts them. The amazing thing about parenting our children is that literally when your kid is young, you have more of an impact in your kid's life than even they have on their life. They, they, they do usually kind of what you lead them to do and what you tell them and what you teach them. We have a great responsibility. God has given you the most impact over that child's life. And in that season, we train them up in the way they could go, and we start young so they can live strong. And then two more. The next one is Proverbs 13, 24. This is a fun one right here. This, this is one, and let's be honest, a lot of parents have probably... Um, used this verse before. I don't, I don't know why this verse is so popular, right? But it is. It's Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I believe this is where the saying comes, spare the rod, spoil the child. You ever heard about that? Yeah. I remember growing up, um, I feared uh, my parents spanking me, especially my dad, Right? Um, my, my dad um, spanked me less often because there was just something about the conviction of which he spanked me um, that his points got through a lot faster sometimes than, than my mom's did, if, if you know what I mean. It was one of those spankings. Like I, I, I still have those memories seared in my head of getting spanked. You know, my, my family saying was meet me in the bathroom, and that meant you're about to get a, you're about to get a whooping, right? And while I, while I don't think this verse is just talking about corporal punishment hitting your kids, I'm not here to debate as to whether or not you think spanking is good or not. What this is calling us to is to, to discipline our kids. Um, and it's so funny. Um, as I've tried to discipline Molly, uh, we've kind of gotten into this problem where she literally mimics everything that we do, right? And the other day she started doing this thing where she would like, whenever she didn't like something that I was doing, she would look at me and she would like hit the table, you know? Like, she'd get this, like, she'd, like, bring her eyebrows in. She'd go, like, this, you know. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's a little demon child. She's doing that. Oh, my goodness, you know. And yet, yet what I, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, she's, like, rebuking me. And she, uh, and yet what I, I realized um, was, because that's what I do to her now. I don't think she fully gets it yet. So I look at when she's, like, eating something. I'm like, no. And I hit the table in front of her, right. So she, she does that. Like, sometimes she, she's like, she does that, you know. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, oh, you've got, you got a tough one in your hands, John. And I, I think I probably do in many ways. But um, it's interesting because I'm already having this challenge where, like, I, I'm confused and I, and I want to discipline her. But I'm like, I don't want her to think that, like, because she sees me disciplining her. She thinks, oh, I get to discipline people, too. I'm, like, trying to teach her, no, you don't get to discipline anybody at this stage of your life. But discipline, I say that because it can be a really tricky thing. It's, it's hard to discern. And yet we are called to lay out for our children what is right, what is wrong. We are influencing them in that stage, and they are being developed by us, and it is our calling. And so this is a verse that we hold on to to remember that we discipline our kids. And yet I think this last verse completes that verse, Colossians 3, 20 through 21. I think this one's really important as well. The Apostle Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And listen what he tags on to that. And fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And so while we are called to discipline our children, at the same time, we are not called to just destroy their confidence in life. It's not just about getting them to submit to us. And so we have to pair strong discipline with our children with strong love. 
We need a very strong discipline, but we also need a very strong love. And, and, and what I notice in really good parents oftentimes, and, and I see this all the time, and I see so many great examples of this in our church, is the people that really seem to be able to disciple their kids and develop their kids are the people who, like, they're hard on their kids, but they love their kids and they provide so well for them that the kid could never logically and reasonably ever say, my parent doesn't love me when they discipline them. They spend time with them because kids spell love, T-I-M-E, right? And they discipline their children, but they love them. And so as we draw to a close, I want to leave you with one more passage, and this is for everybody. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. If you have a Bible, turn there with me and, and write this one down as well. I love this passage. Matthew 18, 1 through 4, it says this. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, once again, so countercultural, and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So in our lives, once again, we see we need children the same way they need us. That we need to teach kids about Jesus, but we also need kids to teach us about Jesus. Kids play a critical role in reminding us about the path we are all on in life. And the irony, I think, of childlike faith that we maybe don't understand oftentimes is that we must mature into childlike faith. And I say this because the disciples come to him and these guys are smart and they, they know a bunch. They, they, they know stuff about Jesus and yet they're not mature enough quite yet to realize that what Jesus is calling them to in terms of greatness is not what they're thinking. They're thinking accomplishment and doing the right things and um, having the right status in life and the right accomplishments. That's all they can think about. And Jesus' response to greatness is we must become like humble, trusting children in life. And I think for many of us, this is the step that God is calling you to take. I mean, think about children. I mean, my daughter at this stage of life, like, she loves being around me. Not because I'm perfect, but just because I'm her dad. My daughter always wants to be around me. She never does not want to be around me. She struggles to go to sleep at night because she wants, to be, she, she wants to be with her parents. She doesn't want to be alone in the crib. And I think for us to mature into childlike faith, we have to pray that that's the work God does in our lives where we don't want to walk without our Heavenly Father. You see, it's interesting because God says to be like children, and yet the way that most of us treat God is like we're like a teenager, Right? Sorry, teenagers, but Jesus does not tell anyone to be like you. But we've all been there, so we understand it. See, teenagers, they never want to be around their parents. Teenagers often think they know everything, and they don't. Your 20s are about learning. You were an idiot when you were a teenager. That's what the 20s are about. And your 30s, for some people. It takes a little longer, so. He doesn't say be like a teenager. Don't try to be so independent and not receive what people are telling you? You see, because children always want to be around their father. Children, they always trust their father. 
Does a child trust their circumstances more than their father? No, because dad can do anything. At least that's what they think. And that's what God's calling you to. That you would trust him more than what's going on in your life, more than your pain, more than your sorrow, more than what someone said about you, more than what the doctor said, more than how tough what you're going through is. He says, trust God above all things. A childlike faith is a maturation process in following Jesus. Does a child doubt that their father loves them? No, they assume he loves them and has a good plan for them. Who does a child run to when they're scared? Their father. Who, who does a child look to to provide their things they need? Their parents. Who does a child love to spend time with the most? The father. Does this describe your walk with the Lord? Or are you maybe in the teen years heading back down to childhood? You see, the way we mature in the Christian life is not by doing a bunch of things, but by trusting in the Lord. There's not a perfect to-do list. It's just faith. It's all by faith. And it's frustrating sometimes because we can't control it, but that's the whole point. We are children. And if we will refuse to live like trusting children, we will live life frustrated and anxious and worried, and it won't fix anything. But if we become like children, God will lead us. God will be faithful. And we need kids to teach us this. Let's pray. Father, you are good this morning. And God, I can just fill the room right now, Lord. I, I know there's so many people who are hearing this and they're realizing, yeah, like, I've been a teenager. I've been trying to do it on my own. And yet the solution the scriptures give us is faith and childlike faith in our loving Father. God, would your spirit come and would you give us the strength to do that? It's so much harder sometimes to do that than we think. I pray for those who are worried or frustrated or stressed out. I pray that you would show them that you are with them and that you love them this morning. I pray if there's people here this morning who are not walking with you or they're on the fence about Jesus, that you would call them to faith that they would just dive in with you, that they'd quit riding the fence, or that they would give you their life and see what you will do. As the psalm says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Draw all of us today in the ways that we need it into your loving arms. I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.